Jesus, I worship you and I love you today, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I worship you and I praise you, almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Yes, Jesus, we entertain your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I praise your name, Jesus. I worship you today, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. What a beautiful presence of the Lord. We are so honored to have him in our presence. I know that a lot of times our singing and our songs sound like that he should be honored that we're paying attention to him, but it's kind of the opposite way around. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is paying attention to little old you and little old me. Hallelujah. What an honor to have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords paying attention to me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And because he loves me, I love him back. Praise God. Because he's paying attention to my needs, I'm responding back to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're still standing, you may be seated. I add my welcome to the rest of the team. Thank you for being here. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us. Thank you for making a priority and giving time. Uh, my daughter and I will be gone this week to General Conference. And uh, as a part of that, I did a little something special for her, and she was all excited about it and, and uh, was talking about how good her daddy was and the money that he spent to do something special for her. And uh, I said to her, I said, Cassandra, I said, please hear me. Money is not what you need to focus on. Time is. Time is your most valuable commodity. And so this morning, not just to my daughter, but to all of you, please, please, please hear me. Time is your most valuable commodity. Time, the moment you are conceived, is fixed. The fact that you don't know it doesn't change the fact that it's fixed. As surely as God breathed the breath of life into the first man and then the first woman, and they became living souls, and they were intended to live forever. Time was not meant to be a commodity that was limited. But because of sin and brokenness, we brought into the world death, and because of that, I believe at the very moment in which conception occurs, the Scripture tells us that it is appointed. You have an appointment. You just can't access the calendar. But you have an appointment when death is going to come. So that means that when you're conceived, there's your start point. And your end point has already been set. Now, we're glad for the gospel, are we not? Because that means that beyond that end point, there is life everlasting. But in this life that we are responsible for, that we are stewards of, my brothers and sisters, time is your most valuable commodity. And so today, the fact that you're here 
and you're spending some of that commodity, I honor you and I thank you. Because more than your money, more than your gifts and your talents, more than any other aspect of our human life, time is the most valuable commodity and you've chosen to spend some of it here today with us. And we thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. I thank you for being here. Now, Meg said I had an announcement, uh, and I do. So we are beginning our final quarter of this year with regard to our small groups, and it's a little different. And uh, I like different. If you guys haven't figured that out, I get bored with doing the same thing all the time. I don't know if you do, but I do. So I'm always looking for ways to shake things up a little bit. And so back when we were planning this year, I proposed to uh, the teaching team that we do something a little different with the final quarter. And uh, so how many of you have any foggy idea? So I, so I don't have to repeat myself. Here's what I want to know. When I say the chosen, how many of you have no clue what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. All right. So most of you then, now I'm going to flip it. When I say the chosen, how many of you kind of know what I'm talking about? All right. So for those few of you that don't know, what has happened is, is there is a Christian uh, company that decided they wanted to, in their opinion, with quality, as opposed to a lot of the hokey Jesus films that we've seen in the past, and we've all seen them. We all know how it is. Um, that they wanted to retell the gospel story, but they wanted to do it in a way that instead of it being in a single movie and you kind of rushed it, rather they could delve into it a little bit. So they wanted to do it with seasons. They wanted to do it with episodes, and they wanted to break it down. And so I've watched this very quietly for several years as they're, they're actually working on, on season three of this, okay? So they've been well into this. And it's basically a modern, is it four? Sorry, that's right. They already have season three done. All right, so season three's not yet been released. That was what I was operating off of, but now they're working on season four. And so it's a modern retelling of the gospel. So you go read your Matthew, your Mark, your Luke, and your John. What you're doing is, is you're putting it into a visual format. You're putting it into a visual retelling of the gospel. This exploration that they're doing is not, I need everybody to hear me today, is not a replacement for the gospel story. Nobody throw your Bibles away. Nobody, nobody suddenly say, hey, we got to have the chosen Bible. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what, it, what we're talking about. But rather what it is is whenever somebody retells a story, it affords us the opportunity to explore how have we been reading this story. And it gives us a chance to read that story and to hear that story and to interact with that story with a fresh set of eyes. And so that is what we are challenging you to do is to engage with us. And we'd love to do love to have you do it in community. So I'm not going to re-preach uh, that just a taste, which was, wow, that was a Rosh's way. That's for sure. I had no idea where he was going, what he was doing. Not half bad. I wouldn't call him Frank Sinatra, but wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. I'll give him the kudos for that. A lot better than I could have done. Um, and so we really, I really want you to, if at all possible, come out every other Sunday night. And it starts this Sunday night, and it's every other Sunday night through this quarter. 
and watch together. I mean, come on. Big screen. Nobody's got speakers that big in their home. Okay, bring your snacks. If you want to come and bring your blankies and cuddle up on the seat, that's fine. In other words, just come and spend some time together uh, because there is something about watching and engaging together. But the purpose is for us to be re-engaged with the gospel story. Our lives are completely transformed by what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John recorded for us. God descending into humanity and becoming our Savior. There is no greater story. It is a story that we need to engage with again and again and again until we reach our appointment. Because in that gospel story is the good news of God's plan to save you and to save me. And so I want to challenge you through this series to re-engage the story. Now, in doing that, one of the things that we Christians tend to do is we tend to lose sight of the humanity of the story. And I think that that's a real flaw for us. It's a real challenge for us because the more that we exalt the biblical characters out of their humanity, the less you and I can relate to them. Because the last time I checked, Keith and I don't have it all together. We don't wake up in the morning with good smelling breath. We have bad hair days. All right, fine. He and I don't have bad hair days. That's fine. Some of you have bad hair days. All right, but the point is, is that we're not perfect. We don't have it together. We don't have our finances together. We don't have our faith together. We don't even have our beliefs together. And when you examine the Bible, you'll find that the characters within the Bible that God is interacting with, and in particular, the gospel story. I mean, you talk about some jokers. There's some jokers in the gospel story. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to find some crazy guys in there, 12 apostles and, and, and then a bunch of other folks. And so part of the thing that I really like about The Chosen, the challenge us is, is that it does retell this story with a, with a bent towards examining and showing us the humanity of the characters of the story. And so as we see these human characters, including Jesus himself. It should contribute to a new appreciation for this gospel story that is preserved within Scripture. But then it will also allow us to afresh apply it to our lives because we can exalt something so high that we can't even touch it, and then it has no application. All we do is honor it, but it doesn't change us. It doesn't affect us. Now, am I telling you to stop reading the Bible? Nope, keep reading your Bible. Am I telling you to stop memorizing Scripture? Nope, Bible quizzing has started this year already. Am I telling you that we're going to replace the Scriptures? Nope. But in reading the Scriptures, you all know that there is more to the backdrop than what is included in Scripture. And you're used to that. You're used to the preaching and the teaching in this place that we bring you historical context. We bring you insight from the outside. And so this is simply putting this into a visual format, and we want to challenge you with it. So here's how it's going to work. 
every week when we have small group, that Sunday night before small group week, at 6 o'clock, you'll watch one or two episodes of The Chosen. I'd prefer that you do it here. I'd prefer you bring your snackies, you bring your blankies, you come here, and you just fill the sanctuary up and just relax. There's plenty of space, and you enjoy it together. All right? What's going to happen is when that finishes, those of you that are past your bedtime, you are free to go home. You grab your blankies, your little footsie pajamas, get in your car, head home, tuck yourself into bed. But I have a sneaky suspicion that some of you are going to get a little excited by what you watch. And I think you're going to get excited. Some of you are going to really like what you watch, and some of you are going to not like what you watch. Because I pastor a diverse congregation, so I know that there are going to be some of you that are going to go, this is the best thing since sliced cheese. And some of you are going to go, harumph, what do you make us watch that for? All right. The point is, is that if you respond and you just can't wait till small group, if you go to our website, newarkupc.info, and you download the lessons as you are wont to do for small group, you will see that there are four questions on every lesson that are not meant for small group discussion. In fact, teachers, you don't deal with those questions in small group. Those are questions that are meant for you to reflect on. But they're also meant to allow you to interact with one another right after watching it together. So that's why I kind of really want you to come out, if you at all possible, and watch together. Because then you can kind of right in the moment, react, respond, kind of jabber a little bit informally. It's not formal. It's nothing structured. You just get to interact. And then you go home. And then from that, you'll be thinking about the story. And when we come to Tuesday and we come to Thursday, you'll be able to then engage, and all of the small group will be 100% your discussion of what you watched on that Sunday night. So small groups will not have any lesson in them. The lesson is the chosen that we're watching, and then you're going to react, and you're going to have lots of questions. Every lesson, I've given you more questions than you can answer. And so as a group, you get to decide, where do we want to go? How do we want to engage this lesson? How do we want to explore afresh? And so I want to close with this. There's four questions that you're going to kind of look at, and you'll kind of see where I'm going with this. Number one, what truth that you know is established by Scripture did the episode you just watched of The Chosen highlight and emphasize anew? In other words, learn to discern and identify truth. As Christians, we got to learn how to discern and identify truth. Question two is, did the telling of the gospel story from a different angle excite you or disturb you? And why? Now, I really want to be here tonight, but I got to get on a plane and go to general conference. So I can't wait to hear the stories of those of you that are scandalized by what you watch tonight. <laughs> and I'll be here all the other weeks. And I'm going to laugh my head off as some of you are so excited and some of you are so scandalized. Jesus did what? There's no scripture for that. Well, of course there's not. So now let, we know that that's not a truth, but could Jesus have done that? Did Jesus have feelings? I know this will scandalize you all, but did Jesus ever have a crush?
Scripture says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So I think he did because I've had lots of crushes. Just saying. All right, so did telling it from a different angle, did, 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 you, did it excite you? Did it cause you to think afresh or did it scandalize you? You're like, oh, I don't like that. Why? Number three, what things that are clearly not from the Scripture, but their context, their background that are outside the Scripture that the chosen uses to tell the story, did they help you in your understanding of the story, of the gospel story? And then the final one, which I've already kind of hinted at, is what is your response to the portrayal of Jesus as human? Now, we all know he's human, but it's another thing when we see it being portrayed as human. Another way to think about it is, is are you off-put when those who lead you and serve you are also human? Do you expect them to be perfect? So there's some interesting things to be done there. Now, can you watch this alone? Yes. And Sister Joyce and her team have put together a great card on NewYorkUPC.info how to watch it. You can watch on your own. But then I hope that ringing in your ears is Arash's voice singing, my way. <laughs> All through the episode, as you're watching it alone, separated from good advice, I want you to hear Arash's voice saying, my way. All right. My announcement's done. <laughs> I think you're going to have a great time. And what's exciting is this whole series started with a little pilot that's about Christmas. And so the last week, we will actually be watching the retelling of the shepherd story uh, right around Christmas time. So it'll be, it's a great time to do it. We're looking forward to it. And again, I encourage you, feel free, as long as you clean up and help clean up, bring your snackies, come comfortable. It's meant to be a good time tonight. It's meant Each of those nights is meant to be a good time and uh, to enjoy one another and to, uh, to kind of just be a family together. So I encourage you to make yourself available to that. All right. Uh, Tina. You only got one slide, so go ahead. Let's put it up, and we'll go from there. Has anybody noticed that Jesus, and by extension his disciples and the scriptures that they wrote, present us with a lifestyle that doesn't make sense. See if you can identify, and I'm going to delve into some of them, but see if you can identify some of these descriptions. First is last. Great is servant. Exalted is humble, strong, is weak, alive, is dead, leader, is follower, winner, is loser, attaining, is denying, less is more, and righteous 
is actually sinner forgiven. Everything's upside down. This is not how I instinctively live my life. This is not how you instinctively live your life. When I go to the airport this afternoon with my daughter and my father-in-law, I have spent money and I will take actions that try to prioritize where I am in the line. And it's not to be last. I want to be as close to first as possible. I have my reasons. One is I'll have a carry-on luggage, and I want one of those overhead bin spaces. Second is I want to go sit down sooner. But third, the real reason, first is just better than last. Anybody with me so far? Great is servant. I don't mind serving. But I don't really want to be the servant. Because great comes with some perks. People respect great people. People speak positively of great people. Servants, there's a good chance you're not even seen. People forget about you. And what you do is assumed. It's taken for granted. Exalted. I, I, like, I like to be advanced. Maybe the word is advance. I like to advance. Humble's hard. This whole alive and dead thing. See, while on the one hand, I'm telling you time is of a premium, on the other hand, as a Christian, you don't need to be in a panic because Jesus said, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Mary, Martha, do you believe this? Even that which feels so final, that which feels so out of our control, that which we in some ways, we want to stay away from. Jesus says, no, no, no. It's, 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 even when you die, you, you then are alive. In fact, the first death is the gateway to the second life. The first life has death at the end of it. The second life has nothing but eternity at the end of it. Leader. Y'all know I, by personality, I'm a leader. I don't care where I'm at. I don't care what I'm in. I don't know how much of it's my personality. I don't know how much of it's my upbringing. I don't know how much of it's my calling. I don't know how much is biology. I don't know. I don't know. But the bottom line is, I walk into a room, the default is I will begin to change that room. 
Jesus said, the true leader is one who follows. Now, let me, let me pause here for a moment. If you were looking for me to come in and, and, and you know, light the house on fire, today is not going to be one of those, okay? Today is a, is a, is a, is a deep, slow-moving thought. I know what I want to say, and I know what God wants me to say. I'm struggling with getting it out because it's, it's deep. It's down inside. And we struggle because language is such a problem for us. Because even if you've told yourself, oh, yeah, I'm a great follower, you're not. Even if you've told yourself, oh, I know how to die, you haven't. Even if you said, I've come to peace with being weak, no, you haven't. And we all, no matter how gifted and talented, and, and we all want to be first. We don't want to be last. We want to win. We want to succeed. And yet Jesus challenges us that the only way for this to work in my kingdom is actually for you to lose. He makes the statement. It's a clarion statement. There's no way to get around this. If anyone wants to be my disciple, it will require three things. Number one, denying self. Number two, taking up a cross. And number three, following him. They're all intertwined. You can't deny self, or rather, let me put it this way, the denial of self is going to be following him and taking up suffering that he asks you to take in the form of your cross. Following him will require you to deny self and to take up suffering. Taking up suffering, the cross, is the only way that you will ever follow him and the only way you will ever deny self. This runs so counter everything that we are taught from the time we are we children. Now, here's the crazy part. I'm not telling you that today I need to go and literally be the last person to get on that airplane. Because that's not the point. The point isn't me getting on the airplane. And see, that's the, that's the problem with us is sometimes what we do is we hear Jesus as he's dealing with a spiritual thing. And we again turn it into something that we're in control of, which is in the physical world. And today what I'm challenging you with is to understand that there is no way that you can ever live these truths and many more 
by human effort. It's not going to happen. You are incapable. I am incapable of being this. I am incapable of being righteous by anything that I do. I am incapable of being more by being less. The only way I'm more is I get more. It doesn't work any other way in my world. There is no way that I attain by denying. There's no way that I win by losing. There's no way that I lead by following. There's no way that I'm alive, but I'm dead. There's no way that I'm stronger when I'm weaker. There's no way that I'm exalted when I'm actually humbled. This doesn't work. And today the burden of my heart, the message I have for you, is that as Christians, if you read your scriptures, and if you pray, and if you let the Spirit of God work within you, you will find yourself in conflict. And your instinct is, is to double down on the very things that cause you to seek first, great, exalted, strong, alive, leader, winner, attaining less, or excuse me, more, and rightness. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna try harder. So today I'm here to talk to some Christians. I'm here to talk to some people that maybe you've been around Christianity and you look at it and you're like, I can't do that. Some of us are in denial and we're trying to. Some of you are just straight up. You're like looking at it going, that'd be great if I could actually do it, but there is no way I can be that way. And maybe you're respectful. You think some of us are that way, and maybe you're a realist and you're looking at us going, you all think you're something, but I already know you're not. And then you're wondering why we're offended because you're not joining us. Because you're like looking at it going, you ain't all that. And even if you are, I can't do that. Jesus made a statement. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm humble, and I'll teach you. I'll teach you. We Christians, we humans. Let me pause for a second. I, I'm, I'm betwixt and between this word and another word. The other word is less biblical, so I went with the biblical one. But behind this is also another word. It's called surrender. Abdication. Give up. Let go. Okay, so this is the biblical word, but I need you to, in case that's not in the whole meaning for you of submission, I need you to add in there, 
surrender, letting go, losing control. Whoever's sitting here today and has been really honest with themselves and says, there is no way I can do this. You're right. You can't. That's why we've turned this gospel into a checklist. Because what's in the checklist is the stuff we think we can do. And meanwhile, we just turned a blind eye to the stuff we know we can't do. I can get baptized in Jesus' name. And by the way, I'm not here this morning to tell you that you don't need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You do. There's salvation in no other name, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But you can get baptized in Jesus' name and still have a problem with pride. You can... You can repent of your sins and have the forgiveness of God flow to you and still struggle to die. Die to your way. Die to your will. Die to your thoughts. Die to your wishes. I apologize to the visual team because I was a whole day late. In giving them anything. I hope it helped them that I didn't give them any scriptures or anything else. I just said one word title. It didn't help. It made it worse. All right. Sorry, Joyce. Sorry, team. Because I've been struggling with, I know what to say, but I don't know how to, I don't quite know how to put it into crystallized form. Because in my heart of hearts, I believe there are all kinds of people sitting within the sound of my voice. That if you could get the picture that God is trying to paint for you, you have no problem loving God. Oh, you may be jacked up. You may be, you may be dressing ways you shouldn't dress. You may be talking ways you shouldn't talk. You may be eating things you shouldn't eat. You may be breaking all kinds of rules. But see, that's not the issue. That's the problem. Every time you turn the gospel into performance, you lose the reality that the gospel is good news, not about what you're going to do. It's good news about what God is going to do. The gospel is not good news about how you're going to perform. It is good news about how God has already performed and will continue to perform. But there's such a spread between where I'm at and where I want to be that it feels overwhelming. We're kind of with the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. Every time I go to do good, sin is present with me. Everything I want to do, I don't find it within myself to do. And everything I don't want to do, that's the stuff I find the ability to do. 
Oh, wretched man that I am. I'm here reaching for some people that you've been faithful. You've been dogged. You've been Christians. I want you to be encouraged this morning. And I'm here reaching for some of you that you're hanging around for some reason. Maybe it's a girl. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's that you just like us. Maybe, you you, you know, every once in a while we're entertaining. But you're sitting here and you're like, okay, I'll hang out with these people, but I can't see what they're preaching. Because where I'm at and where they're talking about we need to be, I don't know how to get there. Well, I'm going to give you a news flash. I don't know how to get there. None of us really know how to get there. And my attempt to have us be honest about that reality, to be more like the publican and less like the Pharisee. You all know the story, right? Jesus tells of a publican, a tax collector, and a Pharisee. They're both standing in the synagogue. Now, the Pharisee thinks he's righteous because he set up a list of rules, and, oh, it's a long list of rules. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's checked a lot of boxes. Jesus still called him a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones. He still called him a hypocrite. But he had a long checklist that he'd been righteous in. So he's standing there in the synagogue, and he's praying to God, and he's kind of offended by the jacked-up dude, the publican, standing over there across the way. And he's like, God, thank you. Thank you so much for the work you've done in my life. Thank you so much for the revelation of truth that you've given to me. Thank you so much for all that has been placed in my life that I'm not like my brother. And the moment he uttered those words, he just showed how he was not yet where he needed to be. For he was prideful and he was judgmental and he was uncaring and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, Jesus said, across the way there's the publican. The publican, first of all, isn't even looking at the Pharisee. That's significant. I could preach on that all day long, but I don't have time. The publican never even references somebody else. You'll know when you're getting closer to Jesus, when you're stopping caring about everybody else, and it's just about you. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. I don't care. I don't know. I don't have an answer. But it's about me, Lord. He says, oh, God. I am a sinner. (laughs) And Jesus, here it is, flipped on its ear, right? Because we, come on now, church, who would we have sign our leadership covenants? Who would we call church member? Who would we call righteous? Who would we put in as leader? We'd put the Pharisee in. And Jesus said, Tell me, which one went home right with God? The dude who was jacked up, but wouldn't admit he was jacked up, or the dude who was jacked up, admitted he was jacked up, and gave me the freedom to do what I could do, and only I could do. See, the good news for those of you that aren't sure about this is I'm telling you, hey, if you want to live the life that you're living right now, keep living it. Because I am confident that there will reach a point when you will find yourself at the crisis of going, I don't like life. I'm tired of this. 
Drugs ain't doing it. Alcohol ain't doing it. Partying ain't doing it. Sex ain't doing it. Relationships ain't doing it. Money's not doing it. Cars aren't doing it. Houses aren't doing it. You're going to reach a point, I'm telling you. I'm getting to be an old man. I'm sorry. I'm really dating myself. I'm getting to be an old man. You're going to reach a point where you're going, none of that matters. None of that's meeting it. And at that point, I want you to hear my voice. But I believe God has sent me here this morning to speak to different groups of people. That there's some of you that are here today that you already are like, man, life's got to mean more than this. It's got to have something more than this. It's got to mean more than this car. It's got to mean more than working my my my. my my hands to the bone. It's got to mean more than a relationship. It's got to be more than children. And I love my children. I love my wife. I even like driving a decent car, but it's got to mean more than that. It's got to mean more than my bank balance. It's got to mean more. It has to. There's got to be something more than that. But then you look at the Christian message as is typically presented, and you're like, I can't get there. None of us can get there. That's why I brought this list to you. There's no way that any of us know how on our own to change from our desire to be first and instead be willing to be last. We don't have, I don't care what your personality is. See, here's the problem with all of you people with, 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 I gotta be nice. Here's the problem with all of you people that have a more um, congenial personality. Congeniality is not humility. It's not. I've only got a few more times to preach with you, so I'll go ahead and give you one more reason to get mad at me. You haven't met a more congenial person than my wife. She is the sweetest little thing. You all love her. You think she's a saint. I am one arrogant cuss. I've never met anybody with the level of arrogance that she can have at times. See, you're getting mixed up on personality. You're getting mixed up on how it's expressed. No, we all struggle with pride. We all struggle with arrogance. We're all trying to be first. We're all trying to to win. We're all trying to attain. We're all trying to get... Ahead. If Regina was going to learn how to not be arrogant, she couldn't have picked a better person to marry to teach her. I am a beast. Not in a good way. Hadn't changed anything. She's still as arrogant as ever. The point isn't about me and Regina. The point is, is for you to recognize from this list that I started with, and this is just the ones he brought to my mind, 
If you don't listen to that and hear that unless God does something, you're going to not make it, then you're not being honest with yourself. I think we all fail at every one of these. But even if you think you don't fail at one or two of them, you're going to fail at at least one of them. And these things that I brought to you, I could take you. I don't have time this morning, and I wasn't sure what God wanted to do. But, okay, you if you want these, come ask me, and I'll tell you the passages of Scripture to go read them and read the background and the story. Every one of these are non-negotiable for Jesus. Not a single one of these is negotiable. If you insist on gaining your life, Jesus said you'll lose it. He says if you insist on being first, it'll cost you. Because you'll be last and not in a good way. What do we do? The first thing we have to recognize is that these characteristics can only be true through the work of God. So all of you Puritan work ethic folks, Grab your bootstraps and pull yourself up. Self-determination. I did smile when you started a rush. It fits. My way. And remember, while I have not been in this pulpit as much, I still have pastored here a long time. I know all of you. I'm not being mean and I'm not being nasty, but I know you. You are some of the most willful people on planet Earth. I'm not complaining. God probably sent you here because your two pastors up until now have been some of the most willful people on planet Earth. I like you. I'm proud of you. I even like your self-determination. But I'm here today begging with you whether you are in a relationship with God, but you're frustrated. Or maybe you're in a relationship with God and you're tired. Or maybe you're not sure, but you kind of think you might want to be in a relationship with God, but you don't know how. I'm here today to tell you that unless God does the work in your life, it will not happen. You're not in control. You're not the one who starts it. You're not the one that keeps it going. You're not the one that makes it happen. The only thing that's going to save you is the action of a God who loves you and then you responding to him. These can only be true through God. And they can only be received. Very key word there. Not attained. Not acquired. Not earned. They can only be received through submission. Through surrender. 
through letting go. The act of humbling ourselves in the hands of the Almighty. The act of giving up control. He could compel us. He will not. And we can try to perform and attain it. And we will fail every single time. So what am I here talking to you about? What is submission about today? What am I challenging you to realize? Today, submission is your willingness to allow the work of grace within your life and to fully realize that that work of grace is his gift to you. You don't deserve it. You haven't and can't earn it. And you will never be worthy of it. but he loves you. And he can literally, if you will come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden, he'll place upon you a cross. But it'll be light. And he'll quietly teach you and you will learn what you do not have the ability to understand. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works or performance, because then you would boast. If I could only find a way, and I've got to trust that at this point in the service, the Spirit of God will do what I don't know how to do, but if I could call each of you by name, and I could somehow convey to you, A, how much I love you, And that would mean something because we need to know that we're loved by fellow human beings. I love you. I know the vast majority of you. I know your life. I've walked with you for decades. I know what's wrong with you. I know your foibles. I know all of the stuff. But I love you. And that love is so imperfect compared to the love of our God for you. He loves you. Yeah, he knows what mom and dad did wrong. And yes, he knows what was done wrong to you. And yes, he knows everything that you've done and how you've responded. And he knows how you've tried and you've failed. He knows all of that. None of that really matters. He loves you. 
why. That's not the point. He loves you. Stop looking for the reason. Because you can't understand the reason. He just loves you. It's that simple. Say, but I, 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 that makes no sense. Why would he love me? I'm so messed up. And my mom did this. And my dad did that. And I've done this. And my relationships have done this. I know. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you've dealt with all of that. I'm sorry you have all of that pain. I'm sorry you have all of that hurt. But I'm telling you today, the message I've been sent to give you is he loves. He loves you. No ifs, no ands, no buts, no extra clauses, no extra explanations. Just he loves you. Because he loves you. He wants to extend to you grace. And grace is that action of God that inexplicably and without understanding transforms you to where you find yourself not praying for your enemies because he told you to but because you want to you find yourself forgiving when you've been hurt not because you're afraid of hell but because his love is being shed abroad in your heart by his spirit And between now and those first glimmers of transformation, submit, surrender, let go, and believe that he loves you, and he has you, and he will save you. Not because you know what you're doing, not because you know how to act, not because you're performing well, but because he's God, and he has all power, and he loves you and he wants to save you that's it there's nothing more every act of obedience is in response to that every act of obedience is about responding to him who loved us first it's not about avoiding hell and it's not even about gaining heaven it's about he loved me so i love him back he loved me and so i love him back I'm not here to take away from the gospel that I've preached to you for nearly 27 years. I'm not here telling you you don't need to repent. But why you repent is totally different if you get what I'm preaching to you this morning. I'm not here to tell you you don't need to be baptized in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. You do, but the reason and how you do it is radically different when you get what I'm preaching to you this morning. 
Some of you that are struggling about receiving the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, stop making about performance. Stop even worrying about when it's going to happen and just simply love him back because the God that I'm preaching to you about this morning is a God who loves you. He has loved you from the moment of your conception and he will not stop loving you. You don't have to do this. You can't do this. But he can. He is. Right now, he is. Right now, he's working among us. Right now, he's moving in your spirit. Right now, he's transforming. Right now. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what society says you've done. I don't care what you're worried about. I'm telling you, God loves you. There is no way he does not love you. He died for you. He loves you. He has expressed the greatest love that can be expressed for you in that he died for you. Are you willing to submit? See, some of you are struggling because you think that you got to get it together in order to be worthy to then step before God. That's pride. You got to lose it. You're never going to be right with God by what you do. You're never going to be sinless because you finally exterminated sin. You're never going to be righteous by what you do. You will only be saved by grace through faith not of yourself it's a gift that the God who loves you has given you and all my dear Christian brothers and sisters I'm not here to tell you that you get to you have an excuse to sin but I'm here to tell you you'll only beat the sin in your life if you let the love of God shed abroad his power and his motion and his grace and his forgiveness and his work in your life. You'll never do it by discipline. You'll never do it by accountability. Those are all tools that you can use to respond to him. But the start is him. It's him. It's him. And you willing to count on nothing but him. Everything is on him. You're dependent totally upon him. Your life is his. You are not your own. You accept that he bought you with a price. And he can do with it what he wants. That yoke will be lighter. That humble master will teach you. And you can find rest for your soul. You can walk in peace that passeth all understanding, that keeps your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can have an abundant life that's more abundant because of His work, not yours. But you gotta submit. You gotta surrender. You gotta let go. This altar's open. Would you come and pray? If you're able to, I want you to come to the altar. I'm not telling you you can't meet you in the pew, but I want you to make a physical move. Even if you, if if some of you need a seat, come and sit on the front pew. Then, 
And I want you to make a move. I want you to acknowledge the message of God to you this morning. I'm not pressuring you, and we're not going to think poorly of you if you don't come. But, but, but today's a little different. Normally, I don't care where you're praying. But today, I want you to, I want you to indicate to God that you heard him. I want you to let him know, I heard you, God. And I receive your love. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive you. I receive you. I receive Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. We're never going to be able to deny ourselves unless you help us, Lord. We're never going to be able to bear any cross, any burden, any suffering that is meant to perfect us, oh God. Unless you, unless you are the actor, you are the one who's moving. We're never going to be able to follow you unless you are patient with us, which you are. And you do the work in our own lives, in us, in us, in us. Oh, God, thank you for the promise that he who was faithful to begin this work within me will be faithful to bring it to completion. Oh, Jesus, I love you today. Oh, I die out to myself, oh God. I die out to my will. I die out to my way. But God, in that dying out, it's not me performing. It's me literally giving up, Jesus. It's me acknowledging to you that I can't do this unless you, unless you do this in me. You have to be the one who does this in me. You have to be the one who does this in me. Oh, Jesus, we just collapse in your arms this morning. Jesus, we just collapse in your arms. We don't have the answers. We don't understand. We're not in control, but you love us and we accept it. Work in my life, Jesus. Work in my life, Jesus. Work in my life, Jesus. Do what only you can do and help me to stop trying to control it. Oh, Jesus, I cry out to you, Lord. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me.
Almighty God, I love you. Mighty God, I love you. I love you. I love you. You love me not because I'm worthy, but because you are worthy. For some inexplicable reason, you've chosen to love humanity. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, and I accept your love. I love you, Jesus, and I accept your love. God, I don't know how life's going to turn out. I don't know how you're going to work things. I don't know what you're going to ask of me. I don't know. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I just choose to love you back. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, we submit. We humble ourselves into your hand, almighty God. Do whatever it is you want to do. Do your work within us, oh God. We choose to believe you. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. I encourage you. Let every fear bubble out of you. Let every fear bubble out of you right now. Turn it over to Him. Let go. You don't have to have it together. Just let go. Oh, I love you, Jesus. 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 Oh, thank you for loving us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not worthy, Lord, but you are. I don't understand, but you know everything. I am so weak, but you are all powerful. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, I worship you and I praise you. God, I magnify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't stop praying. As you're praying, you can continue to pray, but I want to say something more to you. The Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelizer that the Scriptures present us with. We Gentiles have the gospel because of him. He lived his entire life with two truths. He denied that Jesus could be the Messiah because he says, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree until he found out that Jesus' death led to life. So he said, all that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. But he also lived his entire ministry in the fellowship of suffering. Not knowing how God could love him, let alone use him, when he had killed Stephen. and probably countless others that Scripture is kind enough not to name as he sought them out. But somewhere in there, Paul got an understanding. And that is why he could write to the Ephesians and say, you are not saved by what you do. You are saved by the unmerited favor of God. Because you believe Him. Not of what you do or you would boast. It's a gift. So he suffered. as well as knowing the power of the truth of the gospel. You can never merit the power. You're never worthy of that power. But for some reason, all that's wrong with you doesn't have to define you because for some inexplicable reason the God of glory loves you period that's it all your obedience is in response to that it's not about avoiding hell and it's not about attaining heaven it's because he first loved me that's why I love him That burden you can carry. That walk you can walk. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Praise your name, Jesus. Kale, go sit down. Kale, go sit down. You already got warned by several different people, and you didn't listen. So I'm sorry to embarrass you. Juliet, you just skipped through it. Go find a seat. Please hold on to God's unfailing love. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Put your hands in the air if you're willing to do it and love him one more time. Jesus, I love you this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I love you this morning. I love you this morning. Oh, yes, Jesus, I love you back. Thank you for loving me, and I love you back. Thank you for loving me, and I love you back. Thank you for loving me, and I love you back. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of Almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We accept your word, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We accept your word, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. If you're a guest with us, we'd love to meet you back in the reception room. The rest of you, God bless you. Have a good afternoon, and hopefully you'll be back here tonight to enjoy a good time together watching The Chosen as we launch into our new quarter. God bless you all. You're dismissed.